DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Brian Kolbrowski, NBA draft writer for Hoops Hype. The draft, what is going to happen? Brian, good morning. Hey, how's it going? Good. Brian, is there any chance you can project what's going to happen or trade's going to scramble this whole thing early on? Nope, can't, can't predict it. Uh, it's, it's absolutely wild right now. Um, I, I'm excited. Uh, I'm definitely uh, eager to find out um, who ends up where. And, um, you know, I think that this is going to be the kind of draft where uh, there, there are maybe some gems hiding in plain sight. And those are going to be the guys that are going to maybe uh, make the biggest influence moving forward uh, on helping the team's trajectory of becoming uh, successful in the NBA. Um, you know, and I think realistically, there's a ton of those guys. There's a ton of guys who I think uh, might be drafted outside of the lottery um, who are going to make a big impact. But uh, in terms of who goes where, that's when it gets really murky. Yeah, we always look at these mock drafts, and I'm a sucker for them. I, I don't know why. The NBA draft is my favorite draft, and so I look at all these mock drafts, and I'm trying to recall maybe it's just a recency bias, but it seems like this year I'm seeing some guys in some mock drafts who are end of the first round, say 20s, and then you look at another draft, and they're in the 30s or 40s, and then it's vice versa. Uh, does this just indicate how crazy this could be, particularly as we get past the lottery? Yeah, and you know what? I'm guilty of it, too. Uh, I'm very guilty of it, too. Um, and I think, you know, for one, um, you know, there's, there's differing opinions on players, right? Um, I think realistically, uh, it, it's, it's no surprise to think that, um, you know, my interpretation of what makes a good NBA player might be different than, you know, Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN or Sam Vesani from uh, The Athletic. Um, but, you know, what it really comes down to is that I think outside of the top five or ten players, uh, there's actually a ton of parity in this class. I think that um, people talk about it being a weak class um, because uh, there's not really a consensus top three, and I do think that's true. I don't think there's necessarily a uh, can't-miss product in this class, and I think that you know, we've maybe been spoiled over the last few years with guys like Trey Young and Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic, um, you know, entering the league and kind of being all-world type talents and something or other. Uh, there's nobody like that that has such an elite skill uh, in this class, and I think that might be marring some people's opinions. But I think outside of those, you know, names we're hearing within the top five picks or so, um, the difference between 14 and, and 45, you know, in this class, um, on big boards, and, and it's kind of a matter of preference. Um, and also will be a matter of, you know, uh, a team's draft philosophy. Um, you know, I think that um, there are guys like uh, Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State um, or Cassius Stanley out of Duke, um, who, you know, I personally love, who I could see going, you know, as high as maybe even in the teens, um, but, but falling to mid-second as well, uh, just because there's so many guys uh, that it really depends on the archetype that you're looking for. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, but I do think that, you know, a lot of it's going to be based on, um, you know, what a team values. Not necessarily team fit, not necessarily we need a point guard, but, yo, this guy interviewed extraordinarily well. Or, yo, this guy's got um, really, really great, um, really great me- physical measurements or whatever it might be. And I think without the tournament this year, uh, that's really what it came down to, to, um, you know, make a lot of your decisions. 
So without a tournament this year, uh, and without most of the conference tournaments, one of the last big shots belonged to Sam Merrill. Now, he's a little, yeah. on, he's a little on the older side. I've seen some second-round projections from him. What do, you think, what do you think happens to the Aggie star? Yeah, I, uh, I interviewed Sam. Um, I think that if he were, uh, if he were a little younger, he could be the first-round talent based on his productivity. Um, obviously, uh, the development curve, you know, favors those who are older. When you're older against, you know, younger guys, you're probably gonna have a little bit more success. But you know, he's somebody who knows his role. Uh, he's somebody who, um, you know, doesn't mind having the ball in his hands at the end of the game. You know, big-time player. Uh, I think he's got great positional size, um, really, really solid assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, you know, he's got a really efficient jump shot. Uh, he's somebody who I think um, is going to surprise the team um, or surprise some teams uh, in terms of somebody who I think could go a little bit higher um, than maybe some, some mock drafts are projecting uh, because I think, you know, in a, in a situation where the, the league is starting in a few weeks, you know, to give the season starting back up, we're not going to have the typical – uh, cycle of of training camp and um, summer league, et cetera, of getting to know everything. Uh, Sam is someone closer to an instant contributor, um, you know, and I think there's also a real chance of him potentially being an undrafted free agent where you can kind of pick his destination as well, maybe get a guaranteed deal. I think he's that kind of a player uh, that a team would be interested in giving a guaranteed deal to um, because I think he's got, you know, so much unique talent as um, a uh, – as a ball handler, as a passer, and as a shooter. So without the tournament to, to focus on, I end up watching Pac-12 a lot because that's part of our job. There's a bunch of guys uh, that I wanted to ask you about because they could all be atten- potentially available for the Jazz when they draft 23. You know, you got two big guys, McDaniels and Stewart out of Washington. Uh, you've got uh, Bay out of Colorado. you got three guys out of Arizona, uh, Nico Mannion and Josh Green and, and Najee. And then you got a kid out of Oregon who's sort of uh, cut of the uh, Sam Merrill mode and, and Pritchard. And all these guys might be available. Certainly a lot of them will be available. What do you think about as far as those guys relative to the Jazz? Yeah, and you know what? I, I went to Oregon, so I watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball myself. Uh, I've been following Peyton Pritchard since he was a high school recruit. Um, because, you know, he's somebody who won four straight high school titles uh, in Oregon. So as somebody who follows uh, Oregon basketball as closely as I do, um, it was obvious to me that he was somebody who should at least be on my radar. So uh, I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan of Peyton Pritchard. Um, I, of the guys you mentioned, I've interviewed uh, several of them. Um, and one that you didn't mention, who I'm actually highest on out of the entire lot from the Pac-12, is Stanford's Tyrell Terry. Um, but, you know, I've interviewed Tyrell Terry out of Stanford, as is Stewart out of Washington, Tyler Bay out of Colorado, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Um, and those are the guys that I've at least personally had conversations with um, that are draft prospects out of the Pac-12. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, uh, Terry, Terry and uh, Stewart specifically jump off the page. Um, you know, Tyrell Terry is uh, light, definitely a little undersized. Um, you know, young, uh, developing, fairly raw. But, um, you know, I've I've heard from some NBA sources that he uh, shattered a record for uh, the best basketball intelligence measured that they've ever uh, done. There's there's basically an iPad that they send where you have to make the right reads. um, And he got, he made the right call every time, essentially. Uh, His understanding of the game is just 
close to flawless, it feels like, right? Um, and, and I think that's something that certainly goes, uh, you know, noticed from, from teams if you're understanding the basketball. Um, so he definitely, definitely has that. Um, and, and I, I really like him for that. And I think that he is somebody who's going to go, um, you know, maybe, maybe probably in the teens. I think he might be uh, the first player out of the Pac-12 draft. And then, you know, Isaiah Stewart's the other guy for me that really, uh, jumps off the page as well because he's just oozing with confidence. He's a quote machine. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not saying his, his game is similar by any stretch, uh, to Draymond Green. Um, but he is going to be a type of player who will be able to list every player drafted before him to prove the, the doubters and the critics wrong. I mean, when I interviewed him, um, you know, there was just an electricity with the way that he spoke. Um, I, I couldn't believe, um, you know, some of the things he was saying. It's about the ways that he feels he's the best prospect in the class by proving it, by um, talking about individual matchups he's had against guys and, you know, just cooking them time and time again and guys ducking him and how, um, you know, the group workouts being canceled this year is probably a good thing for some of these prospects because they didn't have a chance to be, um, you know, embarrassed by him out there. And I think that, you know, with his with his massive wingspan and his uh, incredible motor and uh, just the, the electricity that he plays with, the intensity that he plays with, I'm fairly confident that he um, is going to make a name for himself um, in, a, in a front court rotation in, in some capacity. Um, so those are two guys that really stand out. Uh, Tyler Bay is another one that's interesting for me. Um, you know, he's he, he tested as the most um, analytically impressive defensive player uh, in college basketball last year by, um, you know, some measurements, including uh, player impact plus minus. Um, that's one that I, that I like to use, and he had the best uh, defensive, you know, uh, mark in that regard in the country last year. And I think that's definitely worth mentioning. Um, you know, I think he's a good team defender, uh, tested really well at the combine too, you know, really athletic, um, you know, great, great vertical pop, you know, good, good leaper. Um, you know, somebody who I think uh, is going to be able to, to lock down guys. And, you know, he also shot above 40% in three point range last year too. So, um, you know, he, he, he's somebody who, uh, I think has a little bit more of a hit or miss type of equality to him. Um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, all of those guys are guys who, who I've spoken with, who, who I'm, I'm fairly sure are going to uh, be drafted, you know, in an impressive range on draft night. And then, you know, Peyton Pritchard obviously is somebody who, uh, like I said, I've followed since he was in high school, and I think he's going he's gonna, to, you know, have a long career in the NBA as well. Uh, I'm not sure if he necessarily uh, will be a starting point guard in the NBA. Um, I, I don't want to have egg in my face if that's the case because uh, he, he's kind of proven – you know, um, year over year over year in his life that, you know, he can start off in a smaller role and, you know, be be a little bit more willing to, to grind it out and, um, you know, continue to, uh, you know, be uh, somebody who's worth watching for, for a long period of time. Um, and, and I think Peyton Pritchard is uh, somebody who, who I think is going to make a team really happy as well. Brian Kelbrowski joining us, NBA draft writer for Hoops Hype. Uh, Yoli Childs only took two three-point shots his freshman year at BYU. By the time he was done, he was shooting 49% from three. Does stepping out and hitting those shots get the NBA guys' attention, and if so, to, to what degree? Yeah, you know, I think Yoli Childs will, be, will have a, will have a you know, good professional contract on his hands, um, you know, but probably by this time tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, or not this time tomorrow, uh, but this time Thursday. Um, the drops the night tomorrow. Uh, I think he, he's somebody who... 
is one of the most uh, mature and NBA-ready uh, players in this entire class. And I think that, you know, in a draft marred by uncertainty, um, you know, he, he kind of feels, you know, closest to, to comfort food. And I think he's going to be somebody who, um, you know, really, really rose, uh, really, really continued to rise uh, during the draft interview process. Um, you know, a lot of teams that he spoke with um, assuredly came away very impressed with him. You know, he, he's not a kid. You know, he's, he's a married man who um, understands the game uh, at a high level, uh, super high character guy, uh, and somebody who you just trust is going to make the right decisions as he continues his professional career. Um, I think he tested a lot better than people expected at the Combine as well. Um, very fast, you know, very, very impressive uh, leaping skills as well. And, and I think, like you said, you know, the, the three-point shot is, is nothing to uh, discount either. I think that, you know, he, he, he wasn't exactly Steph Curry or anything. He's not, you know, Davis Bertans either in terms of just being a, a big who can shoot. But he is uh, somebody who, who chose his shot very carefully uh, and made the right uh, calls. And um, I think by the time that, you know, his, his final collegiate season was under wraps, uh, he had proven that he uh, definitely knows how to take and make a three-pointer. Brian, we appreciate a few minutes to talk a little bit about the draft, as wildly unpredictable as we expect it to be. We look forward to watching it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you.